to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. everybody and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am so excited today to introduce my next guest to you. Her name is Alexandra Navarro and she works at Paystand. She is a Latin American woman in tech and she's the former chief of staff for the national nonprofit Latinas in Tech. She's also an author of an incredible book called How to Balance Your Life that was published at Hay House. I am so excited to talk to Alexandra today because she really is a woman who is paving the way not only for women, but also for Latina women, and not just in the world of business, but also in the world of tech. So welcome to Sugar Coated Alexandra. Thank you very much, Adrienne. I am super excited to be here and thank you for that introduction. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, well, listen, the wow is is your wow because you really have done an awful lot in the course of your career. And I think it's incredibly inspirational. Look, we were just talking a little bit before we sort of got on here. And it, it seems almost silly to be having conversations these days about, you know, why aren't there more women in positions of power? Why aren't there more women in tech? Why aren't there more Latinas in tech? It's almost silly at this point? Like, what are the reasons that that that's not even happening? It's absolutely and incredibly ridiculous, especially given your incredible background. So before we get into the ridiculousness of it all, why don't we take a step back? Let, Let our audience know, you know, how it is that you got started and how did you even get into tech at all? Wow. Well, thank you again. And yeah, I definitely want to get into the why and how can we do to get those numbers up, which is my inspiration to be here. But my gra- my background is engineering. I grew up, I am from Colombia and I came when I was 23 years old. Right now I am the Paystam chief of staff, which I can explain a little bit later what is that role in the tech industry and what is the meaning for woman that wants to becoming the C-suite, but my inspiration to pursue a tech career being in Colombia was always my passion. It's incredible, but it was always my passion to be different, to be the rich and to support underrepresented communities. So I became engineer being there. I worked there. I was successful for 24 years until the situation in my country, as many people know, got kind of difficult for me to accept it. And I came to the state and I start from zero, from zero, Mm -hmm. meaning that my background, my career, my English, everything sucked for everybody. Literally, everybody (laughs) was telling me your accent is super strong. Your engineering degree, you need to repeat it. So I decided one day to just 
start all over, put my ego and my background and my career in another part, but no, my dreams, no, my dreams. I was always inspired to be the rich, to help underrepresented communities, underrepresented or minority people like us, Latinas, women, engineers, that we are the minority. And after probably 10 years after I decided to, I don't know how, how even to, to tell you in a short way my story, but I was very inspired by not having happiness in my life and not having any desire to know how to get into my next goals to start researching on myself. Like, what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to recover balance in my life? And I traveled the world. I met the Dalai Lama. I met the Pope Francis. I met uh, Louis Hay and many other authors. I started learning about emotional intelligence, social intelligence, until I found my way that later on became a book that is published by Hay House and is called How to Balance My Life. With that on my mind, I developed my own program where I was helping technology companies down in Latin America on how to become better leaders. Mm. And after five or seven years of being an entrepreneur and seeing how I was unleashing the power of many women, many men, many C-level suite to becoming a better people, I again discovered that I was getting out of balance in my life. And I wanted to know how to be a good mom, a good woman, a good professional, and still uh, keep my dreams coming up. Because as you know, Adriana, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But for us as a woman, we need to be professionals, moms, housewives, be perfect, keep learning, and bring, you know, uh, food to the table. I think that God gave me the opportunity to start working on a nonprofit uh, organization that is called Digital Net when I was able to prepare many, many youth, you know, from the ages in college, kind of, and help them to develop soft skills and tech skills in order to get into the tech position career that they wanted to become only for underrepresented communities. I had the opportunity to work with them for around six years, and that got my passion into keep being the bridge for the Latino community getting into technology. After mm-hmm. being seven, almost seven years with them, I wanted to see what was my next step. And I wanted to become in the C-suite, Adriana. I was like, I want to be in the C-suite. I want to learn what is the next step. And I became the chief of staff of another nonprofit that is called Latinas in Tech, that essentially develop the opportunity for Latinas all over the world to be in the tech world. And I work with them. I learn a lot from them. But something that I was looking at their research and the opportunities was that many, not only Latinas, but many women and Latinas that go into technology, they get just only into entry-level jobs, only into entry-level jobs. And just... 13% of them are able to go into the next level job, into the management level job. But 56% of them have the most ridiculous uh, salaries and they are not able to request a higher salary compared to the male situation. So I was talking to the C-suite in many, many companies and it was always male, 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 a few women. 
And then I said, well, what about Alex? If your next step in your career is you becoming in the C-suite of a tech company. So I researched, I started applying for opportunities. And this is when I had the opportunity to work here where I am at Pakistan as a chief of staff, which basically motivated me not only to apply my skills, but also to say something in Spanish that is, si se puede, we can do this. And I always tell people, if Alexandra can, if I can, you can, anybody can. I love that. Okay, so much to wind back, (laughs) pull apart and dive into. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So one of the things that I'm hearing just in your journey, which is incredible, and it just takes, it takes a lot to come to another country or, you know, forget about everything else, like just to come into another country, learn a different language, learn a different culture. And then when you feel, you know, like an outsider, it's even more difficult because your, your ego, especially if you, if you were, you know, successful, your ego is, is telling you and is holding you back. So it's incredible that you've been able to accomplish everything that you've been able to accomplish by, by basically, you know, saying and stating that this is what you're going to do. You know, this is what you're going to need to do next. And you just went about the business of of doing that. I think that piece of it is incredibly inspirational for a lot of women to hear because it just demonstrates the power that our mind has over our lives, right? So if we set our mind to something, truly, we can accomplish anything. And maybe some of us have, uh, you know, a little bit more intelligence, maybe we're, we're talented in, in one way or another. But I think that if we can understand what our gifts are, and then use the power of our mind to move in that direction, that is almost, right, the formula for success. So I want to wind back a, a little bit. And it really seems like you do have a bit of a mission that comes from somewhere. Yes, I understand that you want to be th- the bridge for underserved communities um, in order to get into these positions. But I want to almost ask why, right? So yeah, I, I can understand you came to this country and look, it, that's that's great. But is there a deeper drive behind this that goes beyond just, you know, if I could do it, you can do it, Right. What's really the the deeper meaning behind all of this? Well, that's a very interesting question, Adrian, because it takes time to realize that those dreams or that mission is what leads you to be successful. Essentially, what you're saying is true. When you understand your mission, you understand that nothing that is happening is against what is happening and you flow with the rhythm of life and keep working on your goals. But going to your questions about how how do I know that this is my calling? I will say that when I was little, I always had a passion to do something, right? So look into what is what you like to do when you are little. If it's uh, helping others, if it was that your heart was sad when someone was sick, maybe you mm. are calling to be a doctor, but it's related, or it was related in my case with, what I wanted to do when I was little. And I had the opportunity to review writing. I love to write, writing about what I used to do when I was little. And I was all the time 
being out of my house, going into those little towns that were with underrepresented people. And my heart was full of passion. If I could just go and talk to the kids, play with the kids, teach whatever I could teach. I, I just love that. And I always felt the unfairness of society of, I don't know how to say that in a correct English bias. Like, you know, like those slogans yep. that we have, you are poor, you are rich, you are white, you are another color. No, 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 no. To me, well, like we are all humans and why yeah. they don't have opportunities. And I do have opportunities. So I, when I grow up, I had opportunities, but other people didn't have opportunities. And I always wanted to help them. The mm. other thing around that was natural on me was to always see the positive side of everything. And my mom used to be a little bit mad at me because she was like, we have this situation, we have this problem, and you are always trying to see the positive way. And I was like, <laughs> it was natural yes. on me. Seriously. <laughs> so uh, now I understand that this is a gift that I have, like always unleashing the power, the inner power that everybody has. And this is what I take that into my advantage today. So in other words, check what do you love it to do when you were little mm. and then dream about how do you want to bridge that into the world? And when I used to dream about that, Adriana, I was always thinking I would like to have the bridge between Latin America and United States. I would like to yeah. bridge innovation and opportunities. And when I see that in a context of like a TV movie, I can see that bridge and the Latin American people having more opportunities and both connected, right? So mm -hmm. I envision that. And this is the way that I know that this is my call or that this is my mission. Yeah, that that's so powerful. I've been doing a lot of just listening to different, you know, different books and reading or different podcasts and, and reading different books all about this power of really being able to, like you're describing, see something and then, you know, again, putting your mind to it and taking action against what you see. And I think that that is what the difference is with people who actually pursue their dreams and those that just talk about it. It's the, it's the action. And, you know, listen, everybody is afraid of, of something, right? So sometimes that fear prevents us from taking action. But being able to know that your vision is there for a reason is the thing that can give you the confidence that you need to take an action, even if you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You're right, Adriana. And actually, I see fear comes, ego comes, problem comes to everybody. And I have everything against me, like everything. I will let you know about everything later. But the way that I see my life right now is I am not a tennis player, but I'm going to put this as an example. When I was learning to play tennis, I used to be afraid of the balls hitting me. And yep. I was like kind of in fear all the time. <laughs> but every time that I was thinking I can do just one ball, one ball today, not all the balls, just one ball today, one ball today, I start relaxing. And now when the balls are hotter on me, I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it. So this is how I feel <laughs> fear or challenges. It's just one ball that is making me become a better player 
in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So when a problem comes or when a challenge comes or where a bad situation comes, I take it, I honor the emotion that I am having. I am sad. I feel disappointed. I am frustrated. I, I really acknowledge that in me one day or one hour or one moment, then I release it. How I do mm-hmm. release it? I pray. Other people meditate. Other people just, I don't know, whatever is your way, I my way is I release it to God. And then I see what is this situation teaching me? What is this mm. situation teaching me today? And usually the situations or the challenges are showing you how to become stronger or how to act different or how to be more compassionate or how to be more open-minded. And then you can move to the next mm. stage. So fear, mm. yes, it is a way for us to learn about ourselves but we can't be on that emotion for a long time. No, no. You know, this is so interesting. Everything that you described, like when I hear you talking, you know, it is so, it's from a very calm, almost mature place, right? Instead of being reactive and being upset and and crying or doing whatever, which is all good. You could do it all. But then that next step of like, okay, what is this trying to teach me? You know, why is this coming up for me that, that self inquisition, what you just described, I I do truly believe is something that successful people in whatever area of life, I'm not defining success for anyone, but however you individually define success for yourself, I feel like what you just described is almost like the method for success. But, and I don't know if this is a woman thing or not, I think that a lot of women don't get to that next step. And that could be something that is holding us back from going forward. We get, we think that there's tons of tennis balls and there are, there are, there's tons of tennis balls coming at us, you know, fear and judgment and, you know, self-worth and, you know, society and, you know, and it's like all too much. So it's like, it almost doesn't give us space to run off the court to keep the analogy going to say, what, what are all these tennis balls doing to me? And there's definitely something that goes beyond women feeling good about themselves and confident about themselves. There's something else that's going on that is holding us back, whether it's ourselves or or whatever, from pursuing our our dreams. And listen, I'd love to crack the code and be able to say like, ladies, like we just need to do X, Y, Z. I think that what you just described is what we need to do as women. And I think maybe men do this a little bit better. I I agree with you. Unfortunately, this is what the data shows that Men goes to apply for a job when they have 60 or 70% of the skills. We don't because we don't have 10% of the skills, right? And this is natural or not. But to me, there are two things that come up to my mind. Number one is ask yourself, or this is my invitation to the audience, what is your inspiration? And when I wake up and I see that my inspiration is my mission in life, I have a true north, right? That I need to follow up no matter what. When I wake up and I see them, the inspiration that I have are my kids. I have three kids and Aww. I really want for those three kids to say my mom was 
really a leader to me, not in the world, but to me, that's, that, that makes the whole world different. Who is your inspiration? Like look for that inspiration, the mission, your work, your family, your community, you, whatever. And the other thing is I learned to don't let anybody diminish my dreams when I learned to love my life. I love myself. I do love myself, finally. I respect Alexandra as if she is my best friend. In other words, I am a person who is always serving others, who is always making sure that everybody's fine. And I learned that this is fine because this is part of who I am and I love that. But last Saturday, I asked Alexandra, hey, do you want to do something today? And she responded to me, yes, I want to go for a dance. And I said, but I don't have anybody you can dance with. And she said, we can dance together. <laughs> and literally, I went to dance bachata with Love Alexandra it. because she's fun. She's adorable. <laughs> she's joyful. She's she's nice. Why not to take her for a drink? Why not to take her? So I, I truly, I am serious that we need to just learn without the ego to love that person that is full of darkness, full of light, full of joy, full of love, but also full of sadness. And we are an ecosystem and it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. Yes. So yes. when someone comes to me and say, oh, you do this, you do that. I imagine that I am big sister to Alexandra and instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm so stupid. I don't say that. I said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I appreciate what you were saying. And I acknowledge what you were saying. But I also need to acknowledge that it wasn't without intention. Like imagine that you were defending your child, right? It wasn't without intention. And I'll make sure that next time we can correct this together. But I want to make sure that you know that Alexandra was doing this with the best intention. So let's imagine that we are also protecting that little Alexandra, that that little person, that not little because it's little, but it's someone that needs also your protection, your love. Put yourself yeah. first. Yeah. This is such great, such great advice. I mean, it's reinforcing to me everything that I have been reading and, and listening to. And it's about self-respect. It's about owning mistakes or facing challenges head on, knowing that there's bigger purposes, honoring yourself to pursue your dreams and being able to, to be so kind and loving to yourself. I, I love what you just said about yourself because it's true, right? Like sometimes I, I look in the mirror, you know, and when I was younger, I definitely tore myself apart. But now, you know, I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, you're cute, you know, <laughs> like it's and I can see it and I can see that, first of all, the fact that I even think that about myself, I think is a, a huge um, step forward. But, you know, I and I know when other people say to me, whether it's my husband or whoever, like, oh, you're adorable. Like now I see it, you know, and and it's funny, like, yeah, I'm fun. And I think more of us need to, to recognize these things about ourselves so that we can care for ourselves. Because once we do care for ourselves like that, then our dreams, we honor them It's a, because we care. It's a huge change. It's amazing to see, Adrian, how we think that is 
waiting for the world to see us, how our next goal is going to be achieved, when it's totally the opposite. It's when you yeah. are able to change yourself, that the yes. world starts to open up to you. And yes. respecting yourself, I wrote a letter to me. I, I wrote letters to me every year, but I want to mention too, I was in Cancun a year ago because uh, I was in the middle of a separation and I was kind of sad and I decided to go by myself and I was kind of like very sentimental. I don't want to go by myself. Cancun is like a family place. And I was having dinner and one song started to play. And I, it's the first time that after many years, I take Alexandra for a trip by myself <laughs> and I ask her, are you doing Okay. And I feel the instinct of Adrian to write a letter in the napkins, in the napkin when she is literally saying, I am not okay. I am missing you. Mm. I am not okay. Mm. I want you to tell me that you love me. I want you to tell me every day that I am important for you. I want to be the first one. And again, I'm telling you that this is a year ago. So this is a process that comes and is back and goes. And it's a matter of being conscious, right? Like about how to always nurture yourself. And then like a few weeks after, I, I say that later, and then a few days after, I find myself telling Alexandra, you know what, I'm going to be very respectful for you and I'm going to act today as your big sister. And I wrote a letter saying like, from today, no one is going to respect you. From today, anyone who is in your life is going to love you, respect you and value you for whatever Accent, yep. good news, bad news, whatever you are, I am your number one. Like when you are really defending your little sister or your daughter. And I just write it down by myself to me, right? Mm -hmm. The world changed, Adrian. You can't imagine how the next day I was, friends were calling me, friends that I <laughs> never talked to. They were like, hey, Alexandra, do we need to, I can't wait to talk to you. Hey, Alexandra, they were like, what did I do? <laughs> So in my personal life, works so well, but I want to share very quickly with you something also professionally, because I know that people want to be inspired professionally. Mm -hmm. And is that I work with a group of um, men. So I am the only C-suite woman, which I don't feel proud of. But what I wanted to share is that we were promoting BPs into the next level and I was super proud of them and you know like telling them and making sure that everybody knows about them and suddenly I realized that I am I am the chief of a staff and I am leading the foundation of Paystand but no one's know that it's a project that is just handling right now like the white paper and when I am promoting them I go to my CEO and I said, hey, listen, I love the fact that we are promoting men, but I want to make sure that the women are being taken care of. So let's make sure that they are also going into the next level or that they are, there is a clear path for them or a clear communication if they are not. And then at night, I lay down every night I write. I write what, how was my day and I write down, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel accomplished. But suddenly something came up to my mind and it was, are you acknowledging that your next steps as chief of staff, is chief of staff and head of the foundation, did you request clarity on your title? And is mm -hmm. the other Alexandra telling me that? And I was like, no. And then questions to me start coming like, 
Why do, are you running with a project without clarity? If you see Adrian, men don't start their projects until yeah. they have clarity on their salary, on their position, on how yep. they're going to be called, and how did you already spread the news for people? But we as women, we just run because we are yeah. doers, because we're <laughs> multitask, because we need to be moms and cook and be on a meeting and be beautiful, yeah. you know, like all of that. So we just yeah. make sure, but being able to stop the game was so important for me. And then I came to the CEO and I said, hey, listen, I am super excited about this next step in my career, but I want to make sure that we are aligned on expectations, titles. And he looked at me and he said, of course, of course. Mm. So I was kind of expecting like, oh, no, 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 no. Just wrong with that. No, he said, of course. Thank you for coming to me and being able to tell me that. So this is wow. an invitation for everybody here. Make sure that you acknowledge that, that you feel that you deserve it. You don't need to do anything. You just need to respect yourself, love yourself, put yourself first, and then making sure that you have a clear communication of that because we can't expect for people to get what we are thinking or what our desires are, right? Yeah, that is such a great tip. And I, I do think it's something that I haven't even put into words. And I, I love that you put it into words. We do, as women, because we are in this proving energy all the time, right? We have to prove that we can do it. We can, that we can handle everything that, you know, you can trust us and all of that. We end up doing work and moving forward with things that we are either not acknowledged for or not paid for. And that does such a disservice to us. It's, it's that whole thing about, you know, women in, in the office. I was just reading a study about how, you know, women are the ones that are asked on the Zoom calls to take the notes or follow up or set up the next meeting. They're, they're the ones that are in the office that are asked to organize the, the birthday parties. There's absolutely no reason, there, there is no good reason that women are the only ones that need to be asked to do those things. And we need to say, no, you know, we need to say, why don't you ask Bob? right? <laughs> I mean, Bob can, Bob can organize just as go buy a cake at Costco just as well as I can. And we, and I, I do, I love the ability to, you know, almost like stop, stop the stone from rolling and get clarification. It's such a great reinforcement you know message. What, and, yes. And what can inspire us, you're writing everything you were saying, what can inspire us is when I think about Again, what is my mission or what is my inspiration? And it's not only because of Alexandra, which of course that I need to respect Alexandra, but it's to myself or, or, and others. In other words, when I talk to the C-suite and I see anything unfair or that something that needs to get better in the company, I speak to them as myself. And I always tell them that my responsibility to for what I am doing, like the cake situation that you were saying, like, why do you, do I have to bring, I, I'll be happy to bring the cake, but my responsibility is not only because I don't do that because I am a C-suite or because I do are mistreating me, no, but it's the responsibility that I have with people that are looking at me as a leader or yeah. as a role model. So I want for them, I have a responsibility with people. And in other words, in my previous role, 
I was also leading with two amazing people, amazing executives, but they were also males. And uh, in one meeting, one of them was very strong, very, very strong from New York. And we were in front of like 10 people. And he basically screamed at me and shoot me off in the meeting, being in the same level. Wasn't once, it wasn't twice, it was three times. But I kind of was passing or blocking that from me, thinking that it was kind of okay. Like, I know that he's kind of like that. And suddenly one of the coworkers said to me, why are you allowing that? Yeah. And he, and I was like, allowing what? I was numb. Like I wasn't mm. being aware of that. Yeah. Why this person screams at you and you don't stop him? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that that was happening. But then my thoughts were about, she told me this, Alexandra, I want to become like you. You are my role model. You are the Latina leader making the change. But when I see that other people is doing something inappropriate and you don't do something, I feel that what is going to be my future. And that really triggered me, Adrian. Yeah. That hit my heart. And yeah. I was able to stop. That was six years ago. And stop the situation. I was aware. So one of the things that we need to make sure is that being open to listen for things that maybe hurt us or that maybe we are not conscious about that, right? Which was my situation. And I was able to talk to that person and say, hey, listen, I don't feel respect when you do that. I don't feel that it's appropriate for you to do that. We can have a one-on-one conversation. If there is anything that we need to deal with, we can deal it together. That's okay to be in a disagreement, which is not okay. And he was telling me, so do you feel that I am not respecting you? How do you feel? I don't care about others. I care about what you feel. And I say, hey, listen, I'm telling you that I don't feel that it's respectful, but I want you to make sure that you understand that I have a clear responsibility with the Latinas that are looking into a role model. And I want for them to feel inspired. And in the future to say she was able to stand up by herself. She wasn't expecting for someone to stand up by herself and do this. And just by doing that exercise, I wasn't doing that out of out of frustration or resentment. I was doing that out of love for my mission, um, yeah. for the love of Alexandra, and for, um, for my responsibility with other people. And it worked. He changed. Mm. And I noticed, Adrian, now that I don't even have to do much. It's basically in the work where I am. I am like, I don't feel respect with your comment. Or I, I mean, simple, right? Like I don't take it personally. I don't take yeah. that it's against anything, blah, blah, blah. And people is usually putting themselves and saying like, hey, what are you talking about? Are you blah, blah, blah. So it's us, it's putting ourselves and being able to speak and being yeah. making sure that we have a responsibility to the next generation, right? Yeah. I'm so glad that that person was in that meeting with you and brought attention to that because that is definitely something that, and I I have been in corporate my, before I became an entrepreneur, I worked in corporate my whole entire career. And you do see things where there are women that are in positions of power and you see them being screamed at or, you know, being disrespected. And it's very disheartening because you you say to yourself, gosh, this isn't just happening to me at my level. This is happening at all the levels. And that sucks. So I, I like that. And then the tape starts to play. Well, I guess you have to still behave like that, even if you are in the C-suite. And no, that can stop. And I like that you stood up and you were a role model. 
and that you you did even see that you know hey that is actually disrespectful behavior but more so you're you're teaching people how to treat you right and even other men are observing oh you know maybe i can get away with this with her right so the fact that you were able to stand up i think is just absolutely incredible i do want to talk i want to switch gears for one second only because i'm so very interested in pay stand because it is a tech company that is in a realm that's a, a little fuzzy for me i understand the concept behind what pay stand does but it leverages the technology of blockchain And just for everybody out there to just have a little bit of an understanding of what are the benefits of blockchain uh, versus getting into the technology behind it. I would just love to understand that a little bit and how that helps, how blockchain can help uh, underserved communities. That's such a great question. Uh, There are so many advantages. So yeah, first of all, Paystand's mission is to decentralize the financial system in the entrepreneur range, which means that the business-to-business payment network is easier and doesn't need an intermediary. And we are using blockchain technology to make sure that bank failures doesn't affect clients and we can keep growing. But this is like a little bit more, more complicated and technology part, the part that I love is what you are asking and how blockchain is impacting or able to impact underrepresented communities. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to go to an example. I went to Guatemala last week and being there in a very small city, we were able to see how one of the uses of blockchain, which is Bitcoin, uh, is able to change an entire town is able Mm. to help small businesses to not only make payments between, you know, clients with their services, but also between B2Bs, right? Because it's only one wallet, one click, when they are able to make transactions instead of having, you know, the bank or having the problem with the currency, what currency are you using? What currency I am using? It's just Bitcoin to Bitcoin. So small businesses, in that little town are able to grow due to the use of technology. Then Mm -hmm. the other use uh, in the same town that I was impressed is, you know, that there are many Latinos that they can find works, right? They are just immigrating to United States because, or they are becoming uh, gangsters or, you know, they, they just don't find opportunities. So the responsibility of the people who is sending money, the remittances are almost impossible because cross-border payments are extremely, extremely expensive. I mean, I still, when I try to to send money to someone in my country, it's still expensive or makes, I mean, days and days to make the transaction possible because the system is very centralized. If it's not certain banks, you can make transactions. You have to be through certain banks. But with the use of, again, blockchain, this technology, Bitcoin in particular, which is one that is the one that we are supporting the most, you can just do the transaction for zero fees, it's automated and it's automatically. So we can see that the money, the cross-border payments are happening in countries like that. And the other one that I love is how in education kids are getting into understanding since they are two, three, four, five years old, on the fiat, on the economic inflation and the results on that, 
because with the use of Bitcoin, they are empowering communities to actually be sustainable, to grow without the inflation or, or economical problems. So we see how blockchain is helping the decentralization of financial world, of technology world, of databases, of even votes, like in many, 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 many layers, the decentralization of database, which is basically what is blockchain, is helping communities that can't actually reach to opportunities to become important. In other words, there are many countries, El Salvador, Guatemala, South Africa, and many, many, many other ones that are empowering these communities to become self-sustainable and to create circular economies that are enabling people without opportunities that they don't have banks underserved, you know, and underrepresented to really be powerful and sustainable. So this is one of the, to me, the most impactful ways of blockchain. Mm, I love that so much. I, I'm not sure that you know this about me, but I, I, I teach and I uh, instruct this one particular thing that I do that I love so much. Um, I get to travel to uh, Latin American countries with MBA students from Rice University, the uh, Jones School of Business at Rice University. And these MBA students have to work on a consulting project for startup businesses in different Latin American countries. So I'm actually going to Colombia in September. <laughs> so um, I'm going to. to, yeah, maybe I'll meet you there. I'm actually going to um, Brazil in in June. So I'm very excited about that. But one of the things that we hear about when we we get you know the the economic overviews when when we bring the students there from um you know different people that are in the country in the whole entire startup ecosystem is that we do hear you know like in when we were just recently in peru is that these banks that are in some of these countries cannot be trusted right so so people would put their money in a bank and then the bank would be gone the next day so there's so much in of this informal economy that is where so many of these small businesses operate. And so there's this lack of trust in that formal banking system that does create opportunity, right? So people operate outside of the formal economy. It's it's a huge percentage of so many Latin American economies. And what you're saying here is that blockchain and, and Bitcoin is the thing that almost formalizes it, but you don't have to trust anybody because it's not under the control of any type of, you know, government or person who's in power. It's this decentralization, which is so very powerful. And I'm actually really excited um, just thinking about some of the projects that the students are, are working on in Brazil and then the Colombia coming up. And I, I'm actually going to see if we have anything that, you know, is any companies that are starting up in, in this world, because I do think that it could be a real solution to you know what happens in the informal economy and 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 like you're saying helps 
different, even, you know, remote villages and things like that to be self-sustaining because we don't want people moving out of these villages. This is where their home is. This is where their families are. This is, you know, what they know. And they don't, they don't want to have to move into some big city in order to live a really great life. They want to continue to maintain their life. Um, And so I just think that that's a really, really beautiful thing. And I love that you are working at a company that is basically doing this and helping um, to create this economy that is helping everybody instead of a select few. You said it perfectly, perfectly, uh, Adriani, is how we can decentralize and uh, the financial system and democratize the right of everybody to have the power, the economical power and the economical inclusion as it should be, right? As it should be. And so with that, I think that we are just about at time. This has been such an inspiring conversation on so many different levels, Alexandra. I loved speaking with you and I would love to speak to you more um, at another time and maybe even uh, bring in some of your expertise to some of the things, the other things that I'm doing when it comes to uh, teaching. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Adriana. I love, love your program, being part of your of, of your program today. And I am hoping to see you in Colombia soon and in many other projects to come together. Absolutely. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. The She Leads Podcast Network.